Life, life, baby. How much do we really know about the origin of life on our home planet? El Bethune explores the evidence for how the first cells emerged on Earth. 4.2 billion years ago, you were merely a collection of simple organic molecules floating around on a primitive planet Earth. While many of us understand the concept of evolution and how it has led to life as we know it, we understand far less about how life originated in the first place. What did the early Earth look like and what conditions needed to be met for the first cells to emerge? This is a puzzle that has fascinated scientists for centuries and several evidence-based theories have been proposed to explain the origin of life on Earth. The Miller-Urey experiment is perhaps the most famous origin of life experiment appearing in nearly every biology curriculum around the world. Performed by Stanley Miller and Harold Urey in 1952, this experiment showed that the biological building blocks of cells, called amino acids, could be synthesized from inorganic compounds, such as water, salts and minerals, in a so-called primordial soup when charged with an electrical spark like lightning. The groundbreaking results of this experiment supported the Operin-Haldane hypothesis which suggests that life arose from inorganic compounds. These in turn combined and polymerized to gradually form more complex molecules until the first cells emerged. However, Miller and Urey incorrectly assumed that the atmosphere of the early Earth contained mostly ammonia and methane. It has since been accepted that the atmosphere was most likely composed primarily of carbon dioxide, and therefore the conditions of their experiment are not representative of the Earth at the time that life began. The RNA world model was first proposed by Alexander Rich in 1962 and hypothesized that life first began with the formation of RNA, an informational molecule found in all cells, which is essential for the synthesis of proteins. This brings up a controversial argument often referred to as the chicken and egg problem. In this case, which came first, protein or RNA? In modern metabolism, proteins are encoded and produced by DNA and RNA, but RNA in turn is synthesized by proteins. One cannot be created without the other. Whichever one came first must therefore have originated with a system of self-replication. Supporters of the RNA world model agree that the RNA must have come first as it is able to bind to free nucleotides, the building blocks that form RNA. This process brings a string of nucleotides together to form a new molecule of RNA, thereby creating a plausible mechanism of self-replication. Although there are now many versions of the RNA world model, all of them have two assumptions in common. Firstly, that RNA was self-replicating, and secondly, that there were no proteins involved. A massive leap forward in the RNA world theory was made by Nobel Prize winners Sidney Altman as Thomas Cech in 1989, upon their discovery of a class of RNA molecules called ribozymes. These can act as catalysts for a variety of biochemical reactions, including protein synthesis. This indicates that if RNA was the first biological molecule to arise, it would have been able to form the basis of metabolic reactions, such as protein synthesis, and thus eventually lead to the formation of life. Around the time that life originated, approximately 4.2 billion years ago, the sun was about 33% less luminous than it is today. This had led some scientists to believe that the early Earth was actually covered in ice. The theory that the primitive Earth was frozen is often referred to as the cold origin hypothesis and has significant implications for considering how life may have arisen. Although some might initially think that a frozen world would be less likely to lead to the development of microorganisms, it might in fact be the opposite. When water containing any sort of impurities, like salts and ions, freezes, vein-like networks of microchannels form, 
in which the high concentration of impurities keeps the water liquid. These microchannels are well known to provide habitats for cold-loving microorganisms, and the cold origin theory suggests that these provided the sites for the first life to evolve. The cold origin and RNA weld hypotheses often go hand in hand, as most people that subscribe to this theory believe that microchannels in these early ice environments provided the perfect place for prebiotic compounds to become concentrated enough to polymerize and form RNA. Hydrogen cyanide, for example, is an important precursor for both amino acids and nucleotides. While hydrogen cyanide was probably not present in a warm, primitive ocean in high enough concentrations to polymerize and form the first RNA, microchannels in the ice on a frozen primitive Earth could have condensed it enough that polymerization could take place. In fact, a 2002 experiment found that a variety of nucleic acids are produced in dilute hydrogen cyanide solutions after being frozen for only 27 years, which indicates that nucleic acids, and therefore also RNA, can be produced in a frozen environment in a very short period. Lipids are another essential building block of modern cells. These are a class of hydrocarbons that make up fats, oils and waxes, among other things. Due to their chemical characteristics, lipids spontaneously form simple membranes when they come into contact with water. Therefore, it has long been speculated that on the early Earth they could have aggregated in aquatic environments to form the membrane components of the first cells. The lipid weld hypothesis suggests that the spontaneous formation of simple, enclosed membranes could have led to the accumulation of high concentrations of prebiotic compounds inside these membrane compartments. This would have increased their ability to polymerize and form more complex molecules, eventually leading to primitive metabolism. It has even been suggested that these lipid membranes could have had hereditary properties. Similar to how cell division works in modern cells, vesicles could have been formed from these primitive membranes, budding off the parent cell to form a smaller, cell-like structure containing some of the parent's contents. It would therefore have been possible for cells to evolve more complex metabolisms via this primitive form of cell division. One of the main criticisms of the RNA weld hypothesis is that nucleic acids were not in high enough concentrations to polymerize in a warm, primitive ocean. The lipid weld hypothesis, similarly to the cold origin theory, provides an explanation for how these first nucleic acids could have condensed enough to form RNA. The iron-sulfur weld hypothesis proposes that metabolism was the first component of modern life to arise, before cells had even formed. It was first suggested by Günther Wichtes-Häuser that iron sulfide mineral deposits in deep-sea hydrothermal vents in the primitive ocean acted as catalysts for a series of chemical reactions driven by the vent's thermal energy, driving the establishment of early metabolism. In primitive oceans, alkaline hydrothermal vents would have formed networks of micropores lined with minerals, with the warm alkaline vent fluids on one side and the cooler, more acidic ocean waters on the other. This difference in acidity and temperature across the micropores could have created proton gradients similar to the ones we see across membranes inside modern cells, and, in theory, these gradients could have driven ancient metabolic pathways without the need for enzymes and cell membranes. Although some quite compelling evidence exists to support this theory, it does not explain how the first RNA and DNA were formed or how primitive metabolism eventually became membrane-bound inside cells. Each of these theories for the origin of life is scientifically plausible, but if no new evidence arises to indicate the true environmental conditions of the early Earth, we may never know which one truly resulted in the emergence of life as we know it. Regardless of which model occurred on Earth, each of these hypotheses may still help us in our search for extraterrestrial life, as understanding how life comes to exist gives us vital clues to search for it elsewhere in the universe and to identify other habitable planets for potential colonisation. 
Earth will always be our first home, but perhaps it will not be our last.